In today's episode, we're speaking to Samantha Hutton. Samantha is an award-winning author. She is also a coach and she helps other people to heal themselves by writing their memoirs and actually getting the books out. She's going to be talking to us today about how she battled with mental health from a young age and has come out the other end much stronger and is now able to not only heal herself, but help her clients heal themselves too. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so, so, so excited. We're going to be speaking to one of my clients. She's a member of the Mastermind, but she's also a lady I completely, completely admire. We talk as friends and we have become friends and I um, am absolutely in awe of her. She's fabulous in all work, always, as you've heard from the intro. So let's welcome Samantha Hooden. Hello, Samantha. How are you? Hi, Gull. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, Samantha. We've been trying to get you on this podcast for a while now because you, you are a busy lady, but you are awesome. So people have heard the intro, but in your own words, Samantha, tell everybody what it is that you do. Um, so I call myself an intuitive ghostwriter and book coach, and I really help people to write, create, publish their personal stories or self-help sort of spiritual type books bring those into the world, um, you know, and get their inspirational messages out there. Fantastic. Now, Samantha, how did you get started? Because I know I know you personally, so I know your journey. Mm. And it's quite a journey from where you were. So why don't you start from the beginning in terms of, you know, what, why, what I'm referring to? And how did you claw your way out of that? Because that was quite a, a difficult situation. So start off, you know, telling us, you know, how did this, everything start for you? Yeah, sure. And I think, as you've just said, claw your way is very appropriate. Mm. It certainly felt like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, going right back to sort of like when I was pre-teens, I was, um, I was, I'm an empath, very, mm. very sensitive yeah. to energy, which I didn't realise back then. So had I have known that, things would have been very different. But so I was, everything I feel, I feel it sort of like probably 10 times multiplied. Mm. And you know, my my home life at the time was not probably all de- ideal. My parents were going through, you know, a lot of their own stuff. So my dad, he drank quite heavily. He'd get very stressed. He ran a business. Both lacked very much in confidence, um, very, very low self-esteem. And, and really, a lot of that was sort of projected onto me as a young person. Mm. Um and I remember I did used to really feel for my parents. I felt quite sorry for them. I was very fearful of what would happen to me and my brother if if they ever split up. But one thing I always loved, I think, to help me process and manage my feelings because they were so intense, was to write. So self-expression. I kept a diary back, back then. Um, but I loved English at school, creative writing, and I was very much encouraged to go into that field. Mm-hmm. But then... My life went a slightly different 
sort of path, which, you know, and I've only gone back into that in later years. Um, So what happened from that point onwards was we moved. My dad's business was doing really well. So we moved from a sort of semi-detached house in a city right out to a big house in the country in a village, a completely different way of life for all of us. And I do remember my mum finding it very difficult to adapt. Um, So her confidence plummeted even more. She didn't feel good enough. And I remember feeling that. And I certainly didn't either. Hmm. Did he discuss this with your mum or was it just a decision he made and you just just um, had to follow? Well, my mum my is quite open, so she would have made this known. Um, I can't remember too much, but I definitely knew she was not confident. Mm. Um, she didn't feel like she fitted in, and I didn't either. Right. Going from a city school to a village school, it was a, it was a big jump. And I had to leave sort of like my friends behind, and, you know, you're at that stage, puberty, everything's yeah. changing. At 11... Um, Few, a couple of years later, my bi- dad's business started to not do very well. Um, and he eventually he ended up losing his business. And we had to get out of that house very, very quickly. Uh, we had to go into rented accommodation. Everything was uncertain. He lost his dad at the same time. So it was like really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this time, I lived at this house for four years my my confidence had really depleted as well. So even though I had made new friends, I didn't find it easy and I still felt very different. Mm-hmm. And I just started to really feel I was different. I suppose a bit a bit weird, a bit odd, just different. I didn't fit in. Mm. And I used to, I started to get bullied. I was being bullied for being quiet. So my mind took that as though I'm boring, mm. um, which made me clam up even more. And I'd found comfort eating that had become my my sort of saviour, really. Mm. Um, and I'd sneak off to the shop, buy sweets with pocket money. I'd eat too much, the wrong things. And, and I was sort of slowly piling weight on. So then I would get bullied for that. So with all this going on and then what was going on at home, I just started to, I felt very, very alone. And I just felt like sort of like my mum and dad, even though they were there, they were not really available. Mm. And I just never felt seen or heard. And I I was very aware of how they felt, but it was like my feelings were not considered at all. Mm. And so I took this on and built up a big belief about being unworthy, being unwanted, being unlovable, all of that sort of thing. And gradually with everything that was happening, I kind of introverted into myself a lot more and it got to the point where I was then starting to refuse to leave the house I had panic attacks I had a paper round which I had to give up because I didn't leave the house it was it was just awful I was in a state of anxiety my mood really plummeted how old were you at the time uh this was when I was around about 14 15 Mm. um very difficult age anyway yeah yeah definitely um yeah very very confused and I just remember I woke up every day and I'd be really unhappy and I you know I was crying a lot of the time I was self-harming I felt really really bad about myself and I I didn't want to be here Mm. I I didn't want to I didn't want to die to put it blankly but I didn't want to be here the struggle was so great and eventually um I was truanting from school, something I'd never done. I'm a very conscientious person. Um, but I just, I really built up a fear about people, um, social phobias, that kind of thing. 
Mm. And eventually my mum taught me to see a GP. The education psychologist got involved because I wasn't at school. I was given antidepressants at 15, which didn't really make much difference. Really nasty side effects. The old old antidepressants in particular are really, really strong drugs. Mm. And things just spiralled. And I I talked to ringing the Samaritans frequently because I just didn't know what to do. Because my emotions just felt so overwhelming. Mm. Um, And even though I was still like writing to help express myself, that really was my outlet. Things just reached a point where I was like, I can't go on any longer. And I found out where I was on the waiting list to see this psychologist, mm-hmm. found out where that where the place was. And I just took it upon myself to get on a bus and, and go out. And, and basically, I went went to the place, knocked on the door and pleaded with the receptionist to help me. I was 15 uh, and I just said, I need help. Um, and I was crying. And they were they were really, really kind to me and listened kind of the first time I felt really listened to apart from Samaritans. Mm -hmm. And they obviously listened to me and took action and kind of like within it must have been only been sort of a week, 10 days later, I was admitted to um, an adolescent psychiatric unit. It was in the grounds of one of the city I live in. There used to be a big what used to be the big old Victorian asylums back in the day. It, it was now then a, a psychiatric hospital, but there was a modern sort of uh, unit built onto the edge, which was purely for adolescents going through different difficulties. So I was put there and initially it was as a day patient. And you know what? Even though I was terrified to go there, I still wanted to go. I didn't want to be at home because this feeling of not being heard had built up so much. Mm. Looking back now, it's like when you around someone who drinks, they're very unpredictable. I was obviously living in fight or flight, fear or flight. Can't get my word. Fight or flight. Yeah, that's it. Thank you very much. (laughs) I was living in that state, um, and I just couldn't go on. So, so I I went along to this unit willingly. Mm. But within a week, they sort of said to my parents, Samantha needs to come in full time. So that's what I did, and I was there for sort of eighteen months of my life, and it was. Wow. therapeutic setting yeah it was a long stay uh therapeutic setting so you'd have lots of different therapies there were two teachers on site to try and keep you up with your schooling but of course my my studies really suffered and ended up only sitting very few exams from being like really you know bright and able at school um but I didn't care anymore I'd gone so far down um that I didn't really care I didn't really couldn't even anticipate a future and what it would look like Mm. all I knew is that I couldn't cope and really this unit provided a a safe hiding place because that's really what it felt like Mm. because when I was discharged from there age 17 um what do I yeah 17 getting on for 18 I I didn't really have any tools to go out into the world with and so a very similar pattern happened I tried to go back to college, mainstream college, massive panic attacks, I spend all my time either um, skiving off or I'd be in the counsellor's room, college counsellor's room. So this pattern happened again and I was having outpatient p- treatment, but really, really struggling, um, taking medications and things. And the, I didn't know what the answer was. 
Mm-hmm. And so I guess in t- over time, I adopted various of my own coping strategies of how to deal with things. And one of the things which I now realise is visual, like a visualisation. Yeah. Um, I used to pretend in my mind that I was somebody else to escape who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to choose someone in my my view was quite powerful. And so I could almost hide behind this. Um, and that allowed me to to sort of like get through my days. A mixture of all these things sort of like just about got, got me through. Mm. And then I scraped through this college. I missed most of that. I ended up with another exam pass. But then it was like, what do you need to do with your life? And I was just just terrified of growing up, really. I didn't know how to be an adult and to cope and all the demands that places on you. And so I ended up going back to college again after that. But this time it was more vocational. So it was to train to be a chef. I did that for two years. <laughs> and I did actually have some passion for that. Um, and I did do well. Um, very much a loner. Had very few sort of friends there. Again, I still felt like really different. And by this time, my weight had really ballooned. Um, so I was significantly overweight by this point. Mm-hmm. And I did actually get up to about a size 26. I was... you know really overeating comfort eating a lot came to the second year of this college course halfway through and all of a sudden the it felt imminent about leaving and if I left college that meant one thing it meant having to go out into the big wide world and I was terrified of, of getting a job that was a huge fear for me and of having a relationship so these two things I did everything to try and avoid that and it just felt overwhelming and I didn't know how I was going to cope because I guess looking back, I hadn't been really given those sort of skills from my parents. Mm. I saw them struggle a lot. And I, you know, I, I made an attempt on my life in that second year. Um, so which means you could try to commit suicide. Yes. Yeah. And it, again, it was a similar feeling of it wasn't so much that I didn't want to be here. It was just I couldn't see it any other way of how I was going to cope with the resources I had and the people around me. Mm. Anyway, this landed me into, um, for the first time, an adult psychiatric unit. Mm. Very different place to be than the teenage unit. Um, very scary place. Um, people there with all different kinds of mental illnesses to varying degrees. Well, pretty pretty severe, most people. And I, I was in there and I just I, I hid away in my room all the time. Um, and I pretty much starved myself while I was in there because I didn't really want to come out. I, I felt so scared. But I also felt very um, isolated and ignored in there. So it really tapped into my feelings of invisibility in there. And I do believe that's quite a common thing that other people I've spoken to feel as well. Mm. But anyway, I was in there. They changed my medication. and. To be, to be fair, you know, a lot of people are anti-medication. I do feel at times it has kind of saved me. Mm. My mood was so low. And this new drug they put me on, it was a modern one. And it, and it did really shift something within me. Mm. But with what the knowledge I have now, I think it was more my energy shifting, yeah, changing. Yeah. yeah. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop 
by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. But I was very grateful at the time because, you know, very dark mood lifted. Mm. And I was able to start for the first time, really. I somehow got this newfound confidence Mm. and I made several significant changes one after the other I'm kind of an all or nothing person and when I do something I tend to go for it in quite a big way Mm. and so I decided I'm going to go back to college get my exams I'm going to meet a man I'm going to get my first ever boyfriend I'm going to get a job Um, and I did I went to oh and I'm going to lose weight that was the other thing Mm -hmm. and I did I went away and I did all of those things very quickly um so I guess I was setting my intentions at the time I just didn't realize Mm -hmm. and yeah all these things sort of came into my life and I did I was in a job I met somebody who I then went on to marry but things were still surface level I'd still not dealt with all of the inner stuff the the real lack of self-worth and a real self-hatred really Mm. and I very quickly I started to lose weight I lost a lot of weight quickly but I developed an eating disorder Mm. it was another new coping mechanism to help me so I became bulimic, fast became very addictive behavior. It sounds repulsive and it really is, but it's strangely addictive. And that became my world for the next 12 years. 12 years? Yeah. Total obsession with food, with dieting, with exercise. The whole it was taking my focus away from what I really needed to, to focus on, really. Escapism. Very destructive, damaging behavior, but all the same, I channeled a lot of energy into that and it it served its purpose at the time and I'm not advocating an eating disorder in any way but it was a coping mechanism if you'd have took that away from me I don't know what would have happened but I'm I'm managed but my 20s were in an enormous struggle so I was in and out of employment because I felt unlikable uh, quite a lot of paranoia about what people thought of me mm. feeling unworthy all of these things um, but in that period of time I also got married And yeah, it was one big struggle. I hadn't got a clue who I was. I was, well, to me, I was a mentally ill person. And I guess I was hiding behind that. Fast forward to my sort of late 20s. And I was in my maternal clock was ticking away. And all of a sudden, I had this strong yearning to have a baby. um, Despite my chaotic lifestyle. um, And I actually felt pregnant very, very quickly. It felt like a miracle. Um, because of the abuse I'd done to my body um, and the relationship I had as well it's we were not particularly close but yeah then Joe came along um, so he's my only child and I always say the day he was born two new lives were born because the overwhelming love I had for him and this big desire came forward if I'd never wanted him to go through anything I had and he's going to be confident he's going to believe in himself so I channeled a lot of my energy into that and I did very slowly start to recover from uh, the bulimia of the eating disorder um had some more therapy and there were hiccups along the way but yeah I went a long way um and I'm eventually but I, I got reached the point where I realized I wasn't happy in my marriage um and so I, I left my husband ventured out onto my own um as a single parent when Joe was about three and it was scary, it was daunting, mm-hmm. but I got on with it. And I think I had a lot of growth in that period. Mm-hmm. I had to find as a home and get a job and 
you know, become self-sufficient. And, and But I did all of those things. But even then, all through my 30s, I still really struggled with my self-esteem. And eventually I embraced uh, two years of psychotherapy, which really, really radically helped me to make a lot of peace with my past and come mm. to terms with a lot of my childhood. And I remember the lady said to me, she says, you're OK now. You can sort of fly and go your own way. And I thought, I'm not. I still knew I didn't have what I felt were things I needed to cope. Mm. So she suggested CBT, which I did. Uh, and I did really embrace CBT. And I found shifted a lot from that because that started me to get to really examine my thoughts for the first time, really. My thoughts, which dictated my feelings, which dictated my actions, behaviour. And I radically started. Basically your mindset. Yeah, definitely. And and it was like, oh, wow, I can actually, I can actually really change things by changing Mm. my thoughts. Mm. um and and especially how I feel Mm. and that was like a massive revelation for me because I guess it's taking back some of the control Mm -hmm. rather than the years I got told things like uh this is how you'll always be treat it as though you're a diabetic with it who needs insulin but you need these drugs so chemically imbalance all of this and I just started to think how can it be if I by addressing my thoughts I can change how I feel Mm. So that gave me a lot more confidence in myself. And I started to go after jobs that would demand more of me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to help people because I felt like I'd had quite a big shift myself. And so I did. I, I worked for a charity um, and I progressed in that. And all of a sudden, this ambition that had obviously always been within came flooding out. Mm-hmm. And I wanted more. I wanted to do more. I wanted to give more. Um, and I started on that path. But eventually, I. I came to the, the point where, you know what, I want to do my own thing now. So this was about 11 years ago. Um, and I'd seen my dad work for himself and I'd always respected that and admired that. And so I thought, right, it's time for me. Um, and I did. I took the big leap into self-employment. I knew very little, <laughs> but I just ran with it and I made it work <laughs> as a single mum. I went at that for sort of five years. I had a retail business. But my story and what was starting to emerge through was was always a part of it. But it became much more about I want to help people. Uh, I had no interest anymore in selling products. Hmm. I, just, I need to help people. So I basically I let that business go after growing it. And I had a team of people and I just had to go right back to basics, strip it all back. And I, I did actually burn out because I was trying so hard to figure out what was happening in my life. I was at this big crossroads and I guess fear came in and I was trying different things, but burnt myself out in the process. But it was during... very common. You know, this um, burnout is very, very common when you're doing things which you're not aligned with anymore. I want to bring this to people's attention. This, what you're you're talking to us about, it's very unique to you, but it's not unique in in the sense that, it's I've seen it happen time and time again. People burn themselves out yeah. when they're trying too hard, when they're mm. doing something they're not aligned with. Whereas if you mm. are doing, even if you're working crazy hours like I do, but you're aligned with what you do and you enjoy yeah. it and it's yeah. fulfilling your higher purpose, yeah. then yes, you need to take breaks every now and again. Of course, everyone does, but you never get to the burnout point. You always feel like, yeah, this is this is, you know, this is what I'm meant to do. Yes. So, like, for example, you know, when I go on, you know this, you know, when you are calls my clients, um, 
you know, the course, my clients and some of the, um, the group coaching course can last us two and a half, three hours. They don't feel mm. like work. Mm. And this is so mm. important. You need to be in alignment with what mm. you are doing. This is key. So mm. I just want to interrupt you and just to bring mm. this attention how important and vital that is. And Definitely. I'm so glad you recognized it. So that's why you let go of the business. You had the, the, the you received the intuition and you had the courage to act upon it and let go yeah. of that business and go into something which is more in alignment with you, which yeah. you're doing at the moment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it was, it was a real pivotal point because something else I recognized at that point, I remember writing posts on social media about it mm. because I thought if I'm feeling this, I'm sure other people are. Of course. Yeah. Um, I was, I was still became aware there was still work I needed to do on my self-worth because I was trying so hard, felt like to prove a lot of things mm. to myself, to the world, to people who knew me. And it was like, why am I doing this? And I, so I did more work on myself. Um, and during that time, because I really did burn out, it affected my health, my heart and everything. And I had to rest. And I, I, I do remember I was quite fearful about, funnily enough, money. Mm. Because I was giving up this business. I had no other income. And it's like, well, I was getting some help at that point with some uh, tax credits. Mm. My son was still at home, but. He was a few months away from leaving for uni and I just became aware, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? You know, mm. how am I going to survive? Because I'm going to lose a lot of those benefits. So but my intuition was really at that point screaming loudly at me to write my book, write my book, write my book, share your story. It was largely to heal uh, guilt and shame that was still clinging on to from my past, particularly in the sense of a career. I was being hard on myself, but I'd look back and I think of all those years where I'd not really done very much with it because I was struggling with myself so much. Mm. I had a lot of shame around that, but also I wanted to help people. I'd been on this, what felt like a massive journey. I'd come through quite a long way and I wanted to, you know, share that. So, um, yeah, I sat down to write my book and I've always, like say, loved writing. Well, it flooded out, man. Flooded out, man. 16 days later, that book was written, 47,000 words. I'm proud wow. of that. <laughs> but it was like a real download. It was all mm. kind of channeled through me. I had no idea at that point how to get a book out into the world. So, but, oh, amazing things happening that week. I really started to feel like I'd stepped onto this path of alignment. Mm. Um, synchronicities coming through, all kinds of things. People showed up to provide me with even more healing and it was just an incredible experience and I was so um felt so alive felt so excited and my energy was obviously I started to attract a lot of people in wanting help with their books once my book was out there so Mm -hmm. passionate about it and that's yeah and then my new business was created from from that space and it was amazing how many people had you know stories they wanted to share and needed help to get it out into the world so that's when my new business was born and the last sort of four and a half years have just been amazing Mm -hmm. I feel like I've just really stepped into my own and really owning who I am and building on that and sharing my gifts with the world and you know I've worked with a lot of incredible people and got got a lot of books out into the world now inspirational stories yeah 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 and so 
as we wrap this episode up, your story completely highlights from something that was disempowering, which, you know, there's a shame and humiliation attached to it. And also a sense of loss, because that's the period of your life that you were in, in hospital, not living your life, not enjoying like a regular teenager or a young adult going out. I'm not, I'm not partying type anyway. I was, I was, while well, you were in there, I was, I was busy studying so- I never did anything either but at least I got to choose I chose to study that was my choice but it was you know you I got to choose you didn't mm. from that space to where you are now where you're mm. not only have you healed yourself through your own journey through your own uh, memoir but you're now helping other people to heal themselves too mm. and all this could not have happened without you working on your mindset. And this is what I, you know, your story really clearly shows. Mm. By working on your mindset, you were able to let go of these drugs, which at one point you thought were going to be lifelong drugs. You would never get off them. Whereas now you don't need them. And you're optimistic and you're bringing all these wonderful experiences into your life and to those of your clients. This mm-hmm. is key. Yeah. And the starting point for all of this was working on your mindset. Absolutely. And I think your story beautifully highlights it and it highlights the importance of how you need to start with your mindset before you think of a strategy because the book downloaded, people came in and even how we, you and I met, you know, it just yeah. lined up yeah. everything at the right time at the right place. And that's how the universe works. But yeah. it all begins with your mind and yeah. specifically your mindset. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Samantha. Samantha, how can we connect with you? How can we you know, connect with you online? Sure. Um, so my main website is www.samanthahoughton.co.uk. And then sort of like my most, um, the, the, uh, the social media I hang out on the most is Facebook. So I've got my personal profile on there, Samantha Houghton. Or I've got my business page. I've got one for the author, The Invisible Girl. And then I've got one for my actual business, Samantha Houghton, Memoir, Mentor and Ghostwriter. Wonderful. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, the links that Samantha's just mentioned and her bio and so forth would be in the show notes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, down below in the description section, we will find all the links and all the descriptions just mentioned. So just go and check her out. If you are in the process of you want to get a book out, because if you feel the urge that you have a book that needs to come out and you need some support, then I can highly, highly recommend Samantha because I know her personally and I know the effort and time she puts into her clients and the personal attachment that she takes in, I think more than she needs to, but times, but I know the personal interest she takes in your stories. So if you are interested, do check her out. She is awesome. Thank you so much for being with us, Samantha. Samantha, you're going to come and join us up on Money Talkies again, because Brilliant. we need to get your, uh, we need to pick your brain about um, how to use a book and um, for us as entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and um, yeah. and how we can leverage it. So we'll have to have you back for then. But today, thank you so much for joining us in Friday Future. Thank you so much. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and Samantha today on Friday Feature. I will be back on another Friday Feature segment with another amazing guest sharing their experiences and telling us how they changed their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, 
www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.